You're tuning in to Parenting Naked, a collaborative to help navigate the celebrations and challenges of parenting. Um, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on Parenting Naked. Today, we're exploring regulation, parent <laughs> regulation. <laughs> or lack thereof, parent <laughs> dysregulation. Um. So I came in hot this morning and I just want to share about my morning. So this morning, Adam's been out of town and everybody knows through this podcast that I, I need my husband <laughs> for life to function uh, as it is supposed to. Like he does a lot and he really keeps us sort of on track. Yay, but Adam. Yes, he's awesome. <laughs> um, so he is going to be gone. I knew this. So I was like, I set my alarm because normally I don't get up until a little bit later and he takes care of lunches and things. I set my alarm 630. But before that, Tatum woke me up at 620. I'm like, great. We're on course up <laughs> early. Um, so I get her set up downstairs, turn on a show for her to watch, get her breakfast requests. August gets up at 645. Awesome. Earlier than usual. We're on course. Everything's good. I get the lunches. I start a load of laundry. Um, minutes are ticking by, um, there's lots of requests. Can we eat our breakfast on the carpet? We don't want to eat at the table. Okay, fine. Eat on the carpet. Just be careful. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> then comes, this is the, this is the piece that is always the battle in the morning is getting dressed. Mm -hmm. So this morning I say to Tatum, Tatum, it's time to come upstairs. No, I'm too cold. I can't get out from under the blanket you get it. I say, okay, think about how you would like to ask me to do that. Get her to rephrase it in a kinder way. And I'm like, all right, well, what do you want to wear today? A dress and a sweater. Okay, great. Go upstairs, get a dress, get a sweater, optional pair of tights. She can go either way, bring it downstairs, put it on her. This and I'm like, you know what? Then you need to go upstairs and you need to pick out what you want to wear. <laughs> so she's like, No, can you please go back up? I go up again. I get now the second outfit. I go downstairs. To her credit, this second dress was too big. Okay, fine. So now we're on our third instance of dressing. This is just the first kid. But your patience is already. Oh, so she goes up, she picks something, then it's the wrong sweater. Okay, y'all, it's a white sweater. Mm -hmm. There's literally two white sweaters. One has, what do you call it, when it's got the little decorative holes? No. The, it starts the P, it's French. I don't know. Anyway, one's like that. Another one's just white. Mm -hmm. Both white. One was not okay. Finally found the one that was okay. So she's dressed. Then comes the two-year-old. So th they happen to have, like, one matching dress. Mm -hmm. Tatum is in the one dress. Uh -oh. that August has a matching one too. So I'm like, well, she'll be psyched about this. She wants to match her sister. Huge fit. Throws herself on the ground. Snot and tears flying everywhere. And I'm like, okay, fine. You pick it. So she picks out a tank dress. Yeah. It's a little cool for that today. It's like 50 degrees out at this point. I'm like, you can wear that, but you need to wear a sweater. Won't wear a sweater. Oh. So I got the one who's very particular about the sweater. The other one who won't at this point I have to leave. Yeah. And I had a couple of things I had to do 
to get them to school. Tonight is parent night out. They both had to have their PJs packed in their bag. So I had that ready to go. But I needed to stop and get the money to pay for them to stay at parents' night out tonight. Because I have a mommy date, self-care, y'all. So <laughs> I finally get them to agree to what they're going to wear. I go downstairs. I go to get the bags. I know that I need to get all the way to wherever. Where is that? Johnson & Wales. Like 30, East 35 minutes from my house. <laughs> right? So yeah. I have to get them to school on time. So now I have not had time to go get the money. I've mm-hmm. at least got the PJs. I'm like, whatever. I'll figure that out. I've lost my cell phone. I can't find my oh, cell no. phone anywhere. So I'm like, I'll, I will try to drop them off, run home, get dressed for my meeting, find my phone, and then get in the car. I go to pick up their bags, and August's milk had the lid had popped off. Oh, no. And it had saturated the entire, not just her pajamas, but her lunchbox oh, and the bag itself. Yeah. So now we're, like, late. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, <gasps> Get back. Get back. I'm going to scream. My kids are like hands over their ears, oh. like waiting for me to like completely come apart. And, and Tatum's like, mommy, are you going to scream? <laughs> I was like, I'm just really angry right now. I'm really angry. Yeah. And so then I had to explain what happened. Anyway, so I finally get them in the car, <laughs> drop them off at school. And I'm like, God bless. Like now I still haven't gotten them the money. Like mm-hmm. now I have to make another trip to childcare. Um, but anyway, that piece gets done. Then I race home because there's a plumber, a plumbing inspector coming. That kitchen is like dishes are full of everything from breakfast. Mm-hmm. There's milk out on the counter. There's whipped cream out on the counter. There's butter out on the counter. Like all of these, like the, it's like a, a bomb went off in the kitchen where workers are supposed to be. And I should have left five minutes ago. I'm not dressed. And meanwhile, I still am missing my cell phone. So I get the contractor. I'm like, can you call my phone? I can't find it anywhere. I still didn't have it. So then I'm like, how am I going to get to this place without my navigation? I've been there enough that I figured it out. But like, anyway, that was my morning. Wow. And I just... But yeah, so you probably need to replace your coffee with whiskey, maybe, or just put a shooter right in here. I think something. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The morning time is the witching hour. It really is when you're doing it by yourself. I do it by myself every morning with three kids. Yeah. He goes to work and uh, I've got, yeah, I've got a defiant seven-year-old who does everything on his own time. And it's an argument, right? He, we get him up an hour before we get out the door and he waits until the last two minutes to get everything done. Despite me giving him reminders, despite me screaming and yelling and finally at the point of tears of like, every morning we go through this, just get dressed and get out the door. Um, and yeah, I mean, we've had that morning. I've had mornings where that's happened. So we can't find stuff and little Memphis who's potty training, pooped his pants and, you know, and the husband calling and I have one rule in the morning. Don't call me in the morning because you've got 20 other things that you're juggling. Right. So then you're on fire. Like you're absolutely on fire and you look down and it's seven 45 in the morning and you're like ready to cry. You're Mm -hmm. like, Oh my God. Like, I'm not sure I signed up for this. I didn't know I was signing up for this. <laughs> had I known, right? Maybe I would have just had one kid instead of, you know, you never know. It's hard. Yeah. Like 
Mornings are so hard. And then to get back together. And you still don't have your phone. Still don't have my phone. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I could have washed it in the washing machine. I can't find it any, anywhere. Oh, and no. I don't know. I, I, well, I guess we'll follow up on this mm-hmm. next time we record. I, to this moment right now, midday, don't know where it's yeah. at. Oh, wow. That's stressful in itself, too. So, yeah, well, it's just, and it's also just a reminder, like, how attached we become to those devices. Mm -hmm. Like, I felt like that was my tipping point, was not having my phone. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, to be fair, like, I got to this place, and I don't have access to the building because of security. Mm -hmm. So I didn't, I couldn't text the person, hey, I'm here. Yeah. Come let me in. I had to, like, wait and, like break the rules Sneak and bust in, in. Exactly. follow them through exactly <laughs> so um well you know getting back to the topic of being regulated or dysregulated i've been noticing on facebook that there are a ton of articles coming out about um being regulated when your kids are dysregulated little memes about it you know your kids aren't acting out on purpose you know they're dysregulated and we need to respect that and i agree to that you know all of all three of us sitting around this table have worked with traumatized children who are dysregulated you know follow, following the motto of regulation first then compliance we all know that when kids are dysregulated, they're not in their thinking brain and, yeah. and same with us. So if we're dysregulated, mm-hmm. we are not in our thinking brain. We're in our emotional brain mm-hmm. or even triggered to the point of fight, flight or freeze mm-hmm. if we're not careful. And that can fluctuate back and forth fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. And so reading some of these articles, I feel like they're really good. They're really good articles of, you know, how to support your kids. But I think the part that's missing is what if you. As adults, we can't get regulated, right? Mm-hmm. We get triggered because we feel like our kids are being disrespectful. And that's one of our family values is we respect each other. Um, you know, one of our family values is, you know, you need to follow directions. We do this because we've got to get to point A to point B. And if we feel like that's been violated, you know, what does that trigger in us? Mm-hmm. And do we have enough self-awareness right. to know that we are being triggered and we are dysregulated and we're fueling that fire? Mm-hmm. And I know for me, there are times 100% I know I'm fueling the fire, but then it's like I'm on a mission at that point to prove that I'm the mom, I'm in control, mm-hmm. and I need you to do this right now. Mm-hmm. And I think there are times we have to do that, right? Like we have yeah. to get to that point because they've got to get to school and we've got to get somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think distinguishing between is this a defiance? Is Are kids being defiant versus having a trauma past or really truly being so dysregulated that they're in their fight, flight, or freeze. They're in their emotional brain Mm -hmm. because they're triggered, not because they don't want to do what we're asking them to do. Right. That's a good point. I don't know. I, I think for my, my kid right now who's four and is so challenging. It's not, I know she's dysregulated, She's dysregulated because she's not getting her way, mm-hmm. right? She she doesn't, thankfully, have a trauma background. Mm-hmm. I've seen her get really in alarm and really scared when, like, a fire alarm goes off mm-hmm. or something like that. But she's not, you know, she's, she's just wanting what she wants. Mm-hmm. And that feels so intense and so real for her. I have a hard time with 
her behavior when it's just not kind. The way her tone of voice, stomping her feet, yelling at people. Um, She pushed her sister the other day. Like, I just, I don't know what to do with that. And I think because it brings up for me, and this is just speaking as a parent, not as a mental health professional, just as a parent. Like for me, it brings up like, wow, I've gotten really off course. Mm-hmm. How did we get here? Like, and yeah. I just like, how did we get here? This isn't her heart. Right. Yeah. And I know that, but why is she behaving this way? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so hard. Yeah. Have you asked her? Yeah. I've just, uh, in the last couple of days, I've started trying to say like, how can I help? Right. Instead of Most- stop it. <laughs> Yeah. Stop it right now. If right. Uh, and I find I threaten all the time. Yeah. For it's hard to ask what's going on. Well, but... and they're just so egocentrical at that mm-hmm. age, you know, I mean, I fall back just on the developmental stages, you know, like Eric Erickson and mm-hmm. Piaget. I was like, what, what are they, what are they learning at that mm-hmm. time? You know, and they finally found a voice, right? Yeah. It's like, they're old enough to be able to articulate mm-hmm. exactly what they're wanting and they're wanting some autonomy. And we want to appreciate that. Like, Mm -hmm. I appreciate that you want to pick out whatever clothes you want. I appreciate you're advocating for whatever you want and you're not doing it in an appropriate way. Right. And I think that's what's so triggering, right? Like what you said, like, I am not raising you to be so demanding. I'm not raising you to do this. And I just keep using the phrase lately of like, they're trying it on, right? (laughs) They're trying, they're trying this on to Mm -hmm. see, you know, what they can get away with and what they can't get away with. And, um, I think that's where consistency comes in. And I know for myself, I am not consistent for multiple reasons. I mean, there might be reasons where I'm just too tired and it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. if my son Adler is like, I don't want to get my clothes. I don't have the energy to argue. So I'll go and get it for him. And then that falls into the intermittent reinforcement, which is the most powerful reward system there is. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why gamblers get into so much trouble is because they think they're going to score big. So I know that I have done that. Like part of me is like, I have 100% created this monster because there are days that I think he knows he can wear me down. And I'm like, fuck it. Fine. I'll just go do Mm -hmm. it because I don't have time to argue. And then there are days that I do have time to argue. Mm-hmm. And then I stand my ground and then I realize like, this is the dumbest battle over socks, mm-hmm. but I'm in it at that point going, I'm going to win. I'm going to win this argument because it sucks. And I need you to put this on. Mm-hmm. And then when he leaves, I beat myself up about it. Like I have so much guilt and remorse of like, I just put gasoline on the dumbest fire and right. I feel like a total asshole for it. But then I go back to, but he also needs to understand that there are things that he has to get done in order for our family to function. Yeah, and it's right. this really ugly cycle. And, you know, we talked about mommy guilt and, and almost every morning I feel guilty for something oh. that I've said or done mm-hmm. or body language or snapping at my two-year-old or mm-hmm. Zoe or even Adler if he's been doing really well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just kind of feeling like on edge. Yeah. Yeah. When Tatum got out of the car at childcare today, she goes, Mommy, are you still angry? <laughs> I mean, talk about just a spirit of the heart. I'm so like, cute. are you still angry? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I'm late to work, so I am still angry, but it's going to be okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, going back, you know, to that, the dysregulation piece, I think they're just... 
I don't think that people know that they're in it. I was mm-hmm. telling you guys a little bit earlier, uh, I was at my son's football game. My husband's a coach with one of his good friends and then another coach that his, and they've all worked together for the last, I think this is the fourth season that they've worked together. And they're a really good team, these coaches, because um, Dustin is very calm. He is an elementary school teacher. Um, and he's just, he's amazing. He knows how to speak kids' language. He gets down, he gets them excited. Um, my husband is a yeller and he's very intense, but the kids learn a lot from him and Steve and uh, Randall have very similar temperaments, but Randall has a son on the team and Steve has a son on the team. And uh, they normally have a pretty good balance of when Randall gets frustrated with Adler, Steve will switch him out. And when Steve's son gets out of control and Steve gets escalated, then Randall will switch out. Mm -hmm. Um, But last, the last game that we were at, um, Steve got really dysregulated. Um, and he, he's a big guy and he's really intimidating. I mean, when he gets mad, everyone can tell, even the people on the other team can see it. And uh, there was one point where his son wasn't doing what he needed to do. And Steve just lost it on the field and was screaming and yelling and in front of the whole team. And his son just started crying and you could just mm-hmm. see the tension with all of the parents, like feeling like, Oh my God, like Steve needs to reel it in. And you could tell that Steve had no awareness. Like there was Mm -hmm. no awareness Mm -hmm. and he felt so justified screaming Mm -hmm. at his kid. And then I go into like, Oh my God, the shame that his son must feel the embarrassment his son must feel because I'm feeling it for the son. Like, Oh my gosh. And you know, at that point it's like, how, how do these articles or how does this podcast reach these parents of you need to figure out when you're that dysregulated Mm -hmm. like that tap out out. what is your coping skill for that well and and when does it become our community concern right Mm -hmm. um because during that game I went to Randall and said Randall do you think that you need to go tell Steve he needs to tap out um and Randall like didn't see it so he was like I don't I don't even know what you're wanting me to ask him to tap out with so I went to Dustin and I said Dustin do you think Steve's okay do you do you think he needs to tap out and I think Dustin was intimidated he was like yeah he seems pretty out of control I don't know what Steve needs and I went to Steve's wife like I was kind of searching like who who can kind of intervene because that's where the community yeah, comes in has the right thing to say. Yeah. To Steve, so mm-hmm. he can mm-hmm. defuse, walk away. Yeah. yeah. Right. And like, how can we do this in a way that's supportive mm-hmm. versus again, with shame, like, mm-hmm. Hey, like you're not doing this right. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. it's not, you're not doing or this right. But like father, or right. Bad coach, but like, or, I don't know. Yeah. How would you approach a situation? Yeah. Was an adult. I'd be intimidated. Well, yeah. I'd be fearful. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I was going yeah. to Randall. <laughs> like, you go talk to him. Yeah. You go talk to him. And I mean, I even Randall and I were talking about it yesterday because we have a game coming up this Saturday. And I, I asked Randall, like, what are you willing to do if Steve is out of control like that again? Like, I feel like he needs support, mm-hmm. right? Like he doesn't need to be shamed or embarrassed or feel like he's not doing a good job. And so Randall and I were trying to talk about like, if Randall sat just to say, Hey man, let me switch out with you. You go take Adler and I will tap in with your son. You just go take a break. Right. And I was like, that sounds good. But what happens if he's like, no man, I'm cool. And mm-hmm. Randall's like, well, then I'll just be a little bit more persistent. Like, actually, you're not. Yeah. Tap out. 
and when when you feel or when we can kind of see that you're calmer, then yes, you can start working with your son again. But Randall's been in that situation with Adler where he's been absolutely out of control on that field. But Dustin has such good rapport with Randall that Dustin's like, hey man, you're done. Like you need to go. Yeah. You need to go over here and take a break. Um, but I think that that takes a good friendship, right? I think if a stranger were to come over and say, Hey, look at, but we need that, right? Like we've all seen parents who have been out of control, you know, at stores. And before there was so much judgment before I had kids of like, Ooh, they're so out of control. But now I have so much empathy. Yeah. Right? I have so much empathy for those parents now going, Oh my gosh, like, I know you don't know me, but I'm going to stand here with your kid and play with them while you go take a two minute break and catch your breath and get your wits about you. And so you can come back. Mm -hmm. I don't know how other people would receive that. They might be like, get away from me. Like this has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Totally offended. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, completely offend them and it might help escalate the situation. Right. It may fuel that fire even more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah. Maybe can I help? Yeah. Just not even like acknowledging what's happening that needs to be remedied, but mm-hmm. like, can I help? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and also kind of on the same line, but in a different topic is, you know, what does that bring up with like our being raised to, like in our family system mm-hmm. being raised, right? Like, um, you know, when Randall was being raised, I swear the only value system was loyalty in that family, you know, like as long like as, mob. yeah, it, well, it kind of is, it's this, it's the weirdest thing. They can be so cruel to one another, but as long as they come home at the end of the day, like they're family. Um, and it, yeah, I'm like, it's, it's funny that that was like really the big value system. Like Randall had no rules growing up. Like he could come in at two in the morning. He could drink and smoke and party at like 12. As long as he did family things and showed that he was connected to the family and loyal to the family, everything was fine. And so I think it's hard when I was raised in a family of you, you know, you respect your parents, you do not scream and yell at them, you don't cuss at them, Mm -hmm. Um, you show them empathy when something's happened. And Randall's growing into that. He he is growing into that, but Mm -hmm. he has no problem screaming and yelling and cussing at my family, at friends, at his children, because that was never taught to him. Yeah. Right. And it's like, okay, I, I get that. But how do you now engage in that? Because that's is not that, how you can be. Is there a cultural component to that? What's his culture? I mean, he's, he's not like, a, what? <laughs> no, I mean, he's not like hockey. I don't think there's a cultural piece to no, that. No, it's not like he's Italian. Or no, 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 no. Like, I'm sorry, Italians. I'm not. <laughs> trying to give you a bad name. I hear they're impassioned people. So I thought maybe like that had something to do with communication style. No. Mm -mm. Well, his dad was a single parent and they were very poor. So his dad worked all the time and it was Randall and his sister. And so they kind of had to learn to fend for themselves Mm -hmm. and and very (laughs) different capacities. And Randall, and we talk about this a lot. He never had like a nurturer in his life. His Mm -hmm. mom was in and out, in and out. And she is not a nurturing person. 
Mara, I love you. <laughs> but that's not who she is. I don't think that she was nurtured as much as maybe she could have been, right? So maybe in that kind of context of the cultural upbringing, he didn't have empathetic women in his life, except for his uh, maternal grandma, who he really respects. But, you know, she wasn't there all the time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, you know, for Randall, it's interesting because he can be disrespectful and that's okay. But if our children should show him any signs of disrespect, oh, yeah. there is no tolerance for that. I think that's generational too, or I'm curious mm-hmm. if it is, because I feel like the same, the same pieces of that were true for my parents. Like, mm-hmm. don't you dare question my authority. Yeah. And if you do, you, they'll be held to pay. Yes. Mm-hmm. You do what I say because I said so. I mm-hmm. cannot tell you how much I heard that throughout my childhood. Yeah. So I didn't live in an environment where it's my emotional, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think mm-hmm. there might be generational. Yeah. I did not live in an environment I felt like where my emotional experience was valued, seen, understood, or even important mm-hmm. to in day-to-day life. It was mm-hmm. like you... My mom used to say, you were to be seen and not heard. When family was family and company was over, I was just supposed to be like, I don't know, a child statue. Yeah. I wasn't supposed to have, I wasn't supposed to complicate things. Yeah. I wasn't supposed to complicate things. I, I was supposed to be grateful for what yeah. I had yeah. and not question. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It definitely could be, for sure. I mean, my parents... I mean, my, my dad was around, but my mom was definitely the primary caregiver. And it was, uh, I, I recall it being a fear-based parenting. Mm-hmm. I was so scared of my mom. I was so scared whenever she'd be like, Misty, Misty, Rebecca. It, even to this day, if she says Misty, Rebecca in this pitch, it like, whoa, since chills down my spine. I'm like, You're oh right my God, what did I do? Exactly. Um, she was not afraid to slap you across the face. She wasn't afraid to pop you in the mouth. She wasn't afraid to get a belt and just whip you wherever she could get you. Uh, I mean, and, and she's not a violent woman. Like, I don't want to portray that at mm-hmm. all, but I think she was raised like that. Her yeah. dad was extremely abusive, like breaking yeah. arms, like child services wasn't really around wasn't then. It wasn't a thing. Right. Um, so she also has some cognitive dissonances. She's never wanted to be like that. But when you're raised with, when your children act out, That's what you spank them quite mm-hmm. naturally. Right? You slap yeah. them in the mouth if they're, mm-hmm. you know, cussing at you or whatever, disrespecting mm-hmm. you. So that was a trigger for my mom, right? Mm-hmm. So you can kind of see like what triggers were growing up in your family and then what triggers us. But if you don't have self-awareness around that, how are you supposed to regulate mm-hmm. with it when your yeah. kids are doing mm-hmm. that? Well, and I think it's interesting. I just, you just made me think of also that that was so normalized for maybe our parents. And I, I feel a very much like an ability to identify with what you described with your mom, because my parents also had abusive parents and my parents also spanked or slapped or, you know, that was severe. It didn't happen all the time, mm-hmm. but it did happen to yeah. me as a child. And I wonder if, in this country, if there's enough of that, that that was that generation's way of child rearing 
that now leads us to a point where we don't feel like we can correct one mm-hmm. one another when we're out of control. We don't feel like lending yeah. support will be reci- will be well received. Yeah. Um, what, because I feel like back then, if you heard somebody taking a belt to their kid in the backyard, you didn't, you, you did not mess with that yeah. shit. You just, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That was like, their business. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What was ever happening in their house was happening mm-hmm. in their house. Yeah, exactly. It's true. Yeah. I don't know. Or you go back to kind of your child self and think, will we fuel this fire if we engage with that parent who's already hot? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe our child self is just wanting to recoil and not mm-hmm. say anything. Yeah. Or you're, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, the, the pendulum has definitely shifted mm-hmm. from our, our parents who parented us in that way with corporal punishment to where I think a lot of our generation doesn't want to use corporal punishment. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, want to spank my children because I recall when I was being spanked, it it hurt. I remember it hurting and not remembering why I got into trouble. Right. Like even to this day, I can recall times where I got spanked and was like, why are you hurting me and not talking to me? Mm -hmm. Like I just, if you just would sit down and talk to me about it, I would have gotten it and not done it again. Mm -hmm. But my sister's temperament was very different. Um, I feel like the spanking may have worked a little bit better for her because then she was like, cool, I'm done. I'm not doing that anymore. Um, But I don't want to spank my kids because, again, it's most of the time when parents spank, they spank because they're mad. Mm -hmm. Right. Like they finally Mm -hmm. got into this point where they are so pissed off that they're at their wits end. And that's when they hurt their kids. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't know how many regulated parents can spank their children. I don't think you would if you were right. Yeah, exactly. Like you were pissed and that's when you hurt your kid, Mm -hmm. right? Either intentionally or unintentionally, you grab their arm really hard or you grab them by the scruff of the neck and kind of direct them wherever. Um, you know, so for me, it's like, don't even, I don't even want to go there because to be honest, there have been times that I have visualized harming my children. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't like to say that out loud, but there are times that I have been so mad that if I know I took that one step forward, I would have crossed that line Mm -hmm. and been totally out of control and felt like you did this to me. You brought me to this point. Mm -hmm. I am harming you because you have made me feel this way. Just all the things the parents say. Exactly. Yeah. And so it has been so hard at times for me when I'm literally on that line to be able to say, I can't, I can't, like, I need to leave the room. I need to leave the house. I need to just leave because I know I, I could get to that point. But that is self-awareness. And so I think, um, you know, like your your question earlier was like, how do we get people to develop that? Mm -hmm. I think the nurturing parent program that worked by Stephen Bavilik is great for that. And in fact, it was designed with those parents in mind, mm-hmm. with those parents that are custom, they're usually families that were brought into CPS services because of abusive practices. And it talks to them about like, okay, let's, well, let's look at this. Let's look at how you were parented. Let's look at all the different parts of our personality that contribute to, um, you know, that we all have in us. And it depends, you know, it's that wolf you feed. Have you ever heard that Cherokee that old Cherokee, well, anyway, it's a Cherokee proverb, not a proverb, but uh, whatever. 
about, you know, we all have these two wolves inside of us and the one that wins is the one that we feed. And so it talks about like, we all have a victim in us. We all have a perpetrator in us. We all have um, somebody that's been nurtured and we all have a nurturer Mm -hmm. and, and how do we cultivate the pieces that we want to be as a parent? I think they do a lovely job with that. So for the listeners, I would recommend if you're struggling with how to develop self-awareness and how to identify the parent that you want to be, I think nurturing parent program is a great resource. Is it, is it a book? Is it a program? It's a program. A lot of communities have it. I know here in Denver, Jefferson center teaches the nurturing parent program. Um, I got introduced to it years ago when I was working at a child advocacy center and I facilitated it, um, for parents. Um, and I, I think it's a great tool. Yeah. Well, and I think there's a lot of great theories to fall back on, right? A lot of logic I think has some pretty powerful pieces to it. Right. But I think also knowing your child and what works for our, you know, your own personal family mm-hmm. and value system, yeah. like you can't just glob on to something because, um, you know, love and logic sometimes does not work with children who've been abused and neglected. Mm-hmm. We, we have all witnessed mm-hmm. that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think you have to start looking at different programs to help, right. Start reading, start reaching out. Like Daniel Siegel oh, is an, um, yeah. Daniel Siegel is absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. The he connected has child. Yeah, the whole brain child. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you can probably YouTube him and, you know, mm-hmm. see some of his videos. So, I think having the willingness to say, I know that I have this concern and I want to be my best self as a parent and here's what I'm willing to do. And then the other thing I think that is so easy and can be so personal. You guys might cringe when I say this. I know some people will, but meditating. Mm -hmm. There is so much evidence-based research talking about how meditating really helps everybody. And there's so many, there's, there's no reason to not do it. There are so many Mm -hmm. apps, free, free apps that you can download on your phone that will say, have you ever meditated before? Cool. You haven't, I'm going to walk you through how to start doing it. Right. There's a ton of YouTube channels that talk about guided meditation and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So if you're not a reader and you feel like I'm never going to read that, um, you know, I don't want to listen to anything regarding that. Like I think the one thing that I would suggest is to try to meditate Mm -hmm. at least three to five minutes every day or a couple times throughout the day to get grounded and centered and in your thinking brain. So at least you can regulate in that kind of way. And that's Mm -hmm. step one. I think too, a free resource is first, if you can admit that this is what happens, this is your behavior, your pattern to find someone that you can call an accountability partner, whether that's a spouse or a really good friend or a parent or whoever coworker that you really value and trust, find someone that you can talk to this in confidence about, but then also go back and, uh, you know, check in and recap. And if you had a rough weekend, you could go and talk to them on Monday and say, all right, I had a rough weekend, but I'm acknowledging this about me. What, what do you have to say? How can you support me? How can we work through this together? But just, you know, to be able to find that one person that you feel secure with that can Mm -hmm. kind of Mm -hmm. talk you through and help you support you emotionally, not shame you, make you feel Mm -hmm. bad for what you're doing, but to be able to relate to you and hopefully kind of coach you through it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so I like that because first it's about developing the awareness. And the second piece is 
openness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How do we become vulnerable and open so that we can get the support yeah. that we mm-hmm. need? And I'm sorry, Facebook, Instagram, <laughs> Twitter, whatevs, y'all don't help. Like no, it yeah. doesn't help right now that we are all glow momming out there, you know, mm-hmm. like just perfect. I know. So I'll, perfect. I know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, where's the room to be like, this is really hard. And there are times I want to just walk away yeah. or lock my kid in their bedroom or yeah. like, yeah. you know, take yeah. away everything yeah. I've ever Put given. The white flag, call yeah. everybody, tell yeah. them, come take the kids yeah. away. Yeah. You're yeah. done. Or yeah. there's <laughs> even the extreme. And, and this is really, I think what has fueled my fire to do this podcast is there are parents out there who are killing themselves because mm-hmm. they feel like they are not doing it correctly. They mm-hmm. feel shame and embarrassment and feel like I'm causing more damage to my children than I am good. Yeah. And they hurt themselves. Um, I have had a ton of parents on my couch in the counseling center saying they would be better without me. Mm-hmm. They would be better without me. Mm-hmm. It makes me sad. Um, because this is the village and you're not alone and don't Mm -hmm. go to that extreme. Mm -hmm. Please don't go to that extreme. Mm -hmm. Um, we all fuck up as parents, right? We all do. And And we all want our parents regardless of how difficult they Mm -hmm. might've been to Mm -hmm. be around as children or whatnot. But yeah, we all want our parents. Mm -hmm. We want that relationship and connection for sure. Yeah. And if you are somebody that is in that place, seek support. Um, it is not, you know, it is not shaming to admit this place that you're in. And there are professionals and people that want to be there for you. And also like, just to echo what you said to non, like I've parent, I've not parented. I've, <laughs> I've been a therapist to the other side of that, yeah. to the, to yeah. the children that are parentless Yeah, yeah. that, or, you know, even, you know, no matter how terrible a job you think you're doing, you are so vital to that child's life. Yeah. And if you're not there, you would not believe the extents they go of mourning. Oh, um, and, ha- and even when parents are so, in- oh, so abusive and so, in- I hate to say it, but in some ways unworthy of this kid's mm-hmm. commitment, loyalty, adoration, all of it. Yeah. Where you just wish actually for the child's sake, like, could you just admit, like, can that your parent couldn't be there for you or mm-hmm. couldn't be a good mommy or a daddy. Like, and they can't, they can't yeah. let go. They can't, yeah. they can't fill that hole. Yeah. So you are critical. Even if you're making mistakes, there's help out there. And there's re- revil- uh, resilience and the idea of forgiveness. And, you know, these are short term intermittent periods in our lives where, you know, it, it might feel really, really tough and hard at that moment, but, it doesn't mean that it has to go to that yeah. that level. And, well, and like we were saying, it does get better, mm-hmm. right? It does mm-hmm. get better in every single stage. <laughs> it's like, okay, it's a different, difficult, but it, it gets better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have the teenage boys now. If you don't want to put your socks on in the morning, I don't care. <laughs> we have a, a Spanish exchange student. He's 16. 
he's been with us for seven weeks. I've yet to wash his socks. If you want to put on stinky <laughs> socks and make your shoes smell bad, great. I'm, I'm done with that part of parenting now. Mm-hmm. It's hard in those early young years. Mm-hmm. You know, if my son wants to go to school without a sweater or sweatshirt on, mm-hmm. great. Freeze your balls off. I don't care. Do, <laughs> do what you want now. If you didn't get it, then you're not going to get it now. It's all you natural yeah. consequence. Yeah. But you know, I, I play with it and I have fun. I was just as unnerved and unraveled as a parent to young children. Um, but now being removed from that and having the older kids, it's like, Hey, done having that argument with you. I really am not going to empathize or feel bad when you come home with a sore throat Mm -hmm. or you're sick because Mm -hmm. you didn't take those steps to care for yourself. Or if the girls don't like you cause your feet stink too bad, then yeah. good luck for you. You know where the washing machine is, yeah. you know, I just, there's, there's that kind of stuff. It does get better. Yeah. You can have fun with it. And yeah. there's a time where it, it flips the coin flips and, um, yeah. yeah. Dana, did you, now that you have distance from this period of life where uh, Misty and I still are, mm-hmm. did any of those shocking, um, character, I don't want to say characteristics, um, personality traits. Okay. The the personality my four-year-old is wearing right now. Yeah. Shocks me sometimes. And did that go away? Did you have that? And then you were like, Oh, thank God that didn't stick or still see it. And I'll say for my second son, well, first of all, first son, Andrew, he's the boss. He knows everything. He's the regulator. He's going to make sure everything is in line to standard. Things are operating smoothly. Carter is the squeaky wheel and he's always been the squeaky wheel. And he knows if I squeak loud enough, I'm going to get what I want. He can still squeak loud enough and get what he wants. Okay. So that didn't go away, but now as he's, you know, 16, squeak loud enough, you figure out how to get that need met because I am over it. Like there's still that power struggle, Mm -hmm. but he has to take ownership now, if that makes sense. He's taking more ownership of it. Maybe we'll let it dissipate a little bit. Week or so goes by and I'm like, okay, fine. I'll meet that need. But somewhere his need's still getting met. It's just not as harsh or as, um, quick as it was when he was younger, when he was younger, we're like, Oh my gosh, we don't want to hear this anymore. Here you go. You know, donut mm-hmm. in your mouth, whatever. That's mm-hmm. a terrible example. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, don't, I can't hear you scream and cry about this anymore. I'm busy and you're driving me bonkers. Mm-hmm. Here you go. Have it that <laughs> yeah. it's still, he still wants to squeak like that, but it, the, I guess the reward isn't there as quickly or he has to figure it out. More he has to more. figure. Yeah. 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 And I can tell you having a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old, it does get better. Mm-hmm. Okay. Really. I think between two and like five is really, really challenging. In the weeds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Because mm-hmm. again, they're, they're smart and they're getting that they can push mom and dad. They can, you know, really push the boundaries with teachers and with friends. And I, again, like, I think they're trying it on. They're just, mm-hmm they're feeling it out and us kind of curbing that, like, maybe you should ask me that in a different way. Oh, yeah. Try that again. You're mm-hmm. like, why okay. isn't it working? That's because <laughs> you got to be consistent. I right. I say, huh, how would you ask if you wanted that? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> but maybe you should take it a step farther, right? And maybe this is the therapist in me of like, that hurts mom's feelings when you do that. Mm-hmm. I don't talk to you like that. How would you feel if I talked to you like that? Yeah. Would you, if I yelled at you and was demanding like that, does it make you want to go do something Right. And I find myself doing that a lot with my kids. I don't know so as right. my kids were yeah. older than four, I made them do process writing. It worked with the adolescent girls I was yeah. counseling. Right. So I was like, all right, let's just do process writing. Now, how did that go? What do you mean by that process? Well, writing? I would write the question similar to what Misty said, you know, how, yeah, how do you think that made your brother feel when you called him that, or when you took that from him or when you bit him? Um, and then what do you think should happen since you hurt him? What do you think should happen for you? You know, Mm -hmm. should you be consequenced or, you know, punished or whatever? And so I didn't have to do it very often. I think they hated it. I was like, did and they really yeah, it? Yeah, I, well. I, I mean, like, maybe this is like the little, like, anarchist in me, but I was like, how did it make your brother feel? Bad. B-A-D. And then I would give it but back to you. that's okay. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. At least for a minute, it made them sit down and have to think about yeah. it. Oh, okay. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I figured all those years of having to do process writing with the girls in treatment, mm-hmm. someone thought this was a good idea. So I practiced <laughs> it at home. <laughs> It worked okay. (laughs) So, well, I have a terrible neck pain, everybody. I've got to go to the the massage therapist. Um, But this was fun. Gretchen, I hope you find your phone and have a few glasses of wine tonight with your friend. I'm going to because it's parent. I know. Yes. Made it to Friday. (laughs) Um, You all write in and let us know what you would like to talk about. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Have a good weekend. Yes. Thank you. Take care. That concludes our episode for today. Thank you for listening to Parenting Naked Collaborative. To learn more about Parenting Naked Collaborative, visit us on the web at www.parentingnaked.com or follow us on Facebook at Parenting Naked. Thanks so much and have a great day.